You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 193 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and this week we have one heck of an episode for y'all this week. Uh, arguably an all-time episode on Take a Bow. Uh, arguably an episode that I've learned the most on um i could not stop talking to this guy i mean we didn't even start talking about his career until like i don't know 25 30 minutes into the episode um but it's a brilliant breakdown of the art of acting and writing and everything in between and how to approach both and if you like to do both how to honor that for both sides how do you turn on an actor brain and turn off your writing brain and uh how do you be uh like as a writer and at the table uh say i guess converse with an actor and and how to um you know i don't like how to do both really it's just it's incredible stuff and i i couldn't leave the conversation i just wanted to keep picking his brain about about it and um he gave some really great insight into it all a real student of of the art of theater and of everything acting really more than theater um just acting in general so uh we have an incredible guest nick walker is on the podcast who you may have seen as aaron burr in hamilton you may have seen him currently over at the saint james theater in monty python's spam a lot and uh motown ain't you proud i mean you name it he's been uh he's a vet he's a star and i'm so thrilled to have him on the podcast this week it's a great episode but before we turn it over to that we got to talk about some Broadway news because there's uh, there's a good bit of, uh, going on this week. Uh, I know there was a lot going on last week, so I wasn't anticipating too much. But there's some there's some exciting things happening. So first of all, I want to start out by saying appropriate, which is like the raving play that's on Broadway right now, getting rave reviews, critically acclaimed. I mean, best reviews, sold out its run, you know, all the things. So um, they are transferring. After their run at Second Stage, um, they're transferring to the Belasco Theater, which uh, I believe is where How to Dance in Ohio just ended their run. Um, so they're transferring over to them to do another limited engagement uh, beginning Monday, March 25th. And that's going to run through June 23rd. So it's it's a little weird how it's happening, but 
what is happening is on March 3rd, they are um, ending their, I guess, initial run over at the second stage Hayes Theater. Um, that's March 3rd. And then they're moving into the Belasco Theater. And so they have two weeks, uh, I guess three weeks, three weeks, uh, because performances begin back up on March 25th. And they'll go for another three months-ish. Um, so exciting stuff because I know this is – it just sold out right away. I mean, it's getting all the reviews. It's there. Everyone's saying it's casted so beautifully and all these things. So um, it's great to see that more people are going to get a chance to, to see the show. Um, it's great to see it have the success that it's having. I don't believe uh, Elle Fanning is transferring with the run. But otherwise, I believe the cast is the same. Uh, so it's exciting stuff, and it's a story that everyone needs to see. I mean, this is a show that before it even came to Broadway, while it was an audition processes, I was kind of raving about and was super excited about because I was obsessed with the script um, and got the chance to audition for it. So uh, big fan of the show. Can't wait to see it. Hopefully, I get a chance to see it now that, you know, tickets are opening back up. Um, so, yeah, great to see uh, I will say, staying with appropriate, they actually had to cancel a few shows this week uh, due to a COVID outbreak or COVID-like symptoms, I guess, uh, in their cast uh, going around. So uh, hopefully everyone's, you know, recovering as uh, as well as and quickly as they can. Obviously, it sucks to be sick, and obviously, it sucks to to cancel shows and performances. So. Uh, hopefully wishing everyone a speedy recovery over there um yeah moving on we will talk about jinx monsoon jinx monsoon is returning to broadway uh she made her broadway debut in chicago uh in january of 2023 so early last year um kind of a year ago exactly but not really now that we're in february mid-february really um but yeah she she's coming back to broadway and she's coming back to chicago uh so she will be reviving her role i guess of mama morton and she's only doing 20 performances so uh you have oh like two and a half weeks to see uh jinx monsoon and that is from June 27th through July 12th. So very exciting stuff. Chicago just continues to to be a well-oiled machine, bringing in so many fabulous performers and being able to keep them coming back at the same time. So it's been really cool to kind of follow that whole journey over at Chicago going on. I feel like they have a new casting announcement every week, but it's great. Um, so moving on, we'll go over to the connector, the connector, Jason Robert Brown's the connector, which is currently playing off Broadway, uh, at MCC theater. Um, they are going to be releasing a cast album and this is so exciting. This is like the new trend and helping a show get to Broadway. Um, I, I can only assume that, uh, the connector is, has aims for broadway um their off-broadway run is until march 17th so i highly doubt that it, it will it's not going to be this season but uh, i am assured that they're aiming for a broadway run at some point whether it's next season or beyond um nonetheless very exciting because we get more jason robert brown music who who doesn't love jason robert brown 
Um, and this cast is is ridiculous. Some take about family members, which is super exciting. You know, they got Hannah Cruz, Fergie Felipe, um, and I think that's it. But uh, also some very lovely performers, voices, all the things, uh, Ben Levi Ross, uh, and Saunders. I mean, this, the cast is stacked. It, it really is. So, um, shout out to everyone over there. And I'm looking forward to the cast album. I haven't seen the show yet, so I'm excited to hear the music. Obviously Jason Robert Brown, always excited to hear his music. Um, and so, yeah, that'll be great. I've heard it's great. The music's great. I've heard the show's great. Um, so glad to see that uh, they're doing a cast album and hopefully, you know, it continues to create buzz for them and they uh, get to ch- stab at a, at a Broadway run here. So um, last bit of, last couple things I want to mention here. Um, Take a Bow is having some exciting things going on. So this past week we went through to the Black Theater Coalition Gala. And uh, that was an absolute blast. We talked to so many incredible Black performers, uh, but also Black theater makers. Um, And that's really what they're doing over there at the Black Theater Coalition in helping, uh, you know, they they acknowledge and uh, celebrate the, I guess, positive uh, trajectory and progress that we've got from seeing Black performers on a stage. But we've also, uh, in seeing that great growth, um, obviously still more to be done, um, they, we, we've kind of had a standstill, right, with Black theater makers, you know, Black um, stories behind the scenes, um, whether it be directing, whether it be writing, whether it be whatever it may be. So uh, it's really helping the behind the scenes, um, I guess, career paths for these black theater makers. Um, and it's so exciting to, to see and support and celebrate and also follow along. Um, it's been really incredible, the work that they're doing over there. So uh, shout out to them. And I, I'm going to be posting all of that stuff on exclusively on uh, YouTube and TikTok. So uh, go follow and subscribe to those. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at Take About Podcast, same as TikTok, uh, if you want to get those really, really fun interviews, um, really talking about um, the Black Theater Coalition and kind of what that means to, to everyone. We also got uh, musical theater halftime dreams, um, and we got like Wicked trailer reactions because all of that was happening at the same time, and we got to talk to Shoshana Bean and like all those, so that was fun to like you know, talk about that. And we also have a lot of conversations in regards to the upcoming Broadway season. So if you want to get a preview on that, uh, definitely go check that content out. And I will be, like I said, posting it on TikTok and YouTube, TikTok first, and then I'll be posting it YouTube on a later date when I'll let y'all know when that happens. Um, the other thing I want to mention is we are very excited because we are, um, we have the opportunity to attend a Hadestown press day uh, that they are opening up as Hadestown has gotten new stars of the show. Uh, And those stars include Jordan Fisher, Lola Tung, and Annie DeFranco. So um, I'm very excited because we have the opportunity to speak to all three of those performers this coming Tuesday. Um, And like I said, if we get enough content, um, I may consider doing a podcast episode of it, 
but the visual aspect of it is just so different. It brings a whole other element. And the fact that we're doing it in person, I really prefer to get the visual content out there. So uh, I believe it's going to be exclusively on TikTok and YouTube. So like I said, you're going to want to subscribe because if you don't subscribe and follow, you won't know that we're posting. Um, so yeah, like I said, at Take About Podcast, that content is going to be so exciting. We have a really fun thing planned for that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just so excited. So that is it for the Broadway news and slash take about news. Um, I'm very excited to to speak to Jordan Fisher, Lola Tung, all of those folks over at Hadestown. Very excited for that. Um, but we'll also have a normal episode next week um, if it's not that. Perhaps we'll do a Black Theater Coalition Gala and uh, Hadestown collab and we'll do a full episode of that. I don't know. We're playing around with it. Uh, let us know, uh, what you'd like to, how you'd kind of like to consume that kind of content. Um, but we're, we're definitely leaning towards the visual aspect of it all. And we're very excited to, to share that with you all. Cause we've, I mean, both of those videos are just star studded. So we're very excited. Um, cool. That's all the news. Like I said, this episode's unreal. You're going to learn so much. I know I did. Hopefully, y'all get the same out of it. And um, yeah, I'm so excited to share it with you. So without further ado, Nick Walker, curtain up. This week's guest is a Broadway star and comedic genius. I mean, you may have seen him in your favorite Broadway show, Hamilton, because I mean, like, who doesn't love Hamilton? Um, and for those music lovers out there, you could have seen him in Motown or Ain't Too Proud on Broadway. And now you can currently catch him over at the St. James Theater in Monty Python's Spamalot. This guy does it all. He's someone that I've been wanting to have on the podcast for quite some time. So everyone, welcome to Take a Vow. Nick Walker. Hi, Nick. How you doing? Oh, I'm great. Now I'm blushing, man. That's 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 very kind of you. Very kind. Hey. Oh my God, oh, boy! Yeah, it's man. very kind of you to be here and be uh, taking a Friday afternoon with me uh, before uh, before a four or five show weekend, maybe. Oh God, yeah. Whatever's going on at you know, I, did, I didn't even, to remind I, you. Oh yeah, I literally wasn't. I was like, oh man, it's gonna be such a nice weekend, and then you're like five show weekend. I was like, oh no, God no. dang it gotta do this thing it's gonna be great it's gonna be fun yeah yeah yeah. hey it it looks like y'all are having a blast over there um and we'll get into that in a second but uh the way i usually like to start these things is is asking you know how are we here like why are we here what inspired you to want to tell stories want to perform um what what was that moment that you were like this is what i want to do what what a starting in the deep end we just jump in Um, (laughs) it's beautiful no you know i think it's so funny because you know uh, i so i can give you the 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 you know the real the real real therapized answer which is um you know grew up uh with in a loving home um but not knowing my dad uh the also living with adhd and and anxiety and i think that so theater and storytelling specifically, you know, when I was really, really young served two purposes. I think that on the one hand, 
I would be lying if I said that this wasn't a, you know, a billboard to my father, wherever he was to say, look at me, I made and I survived in spite of you. Right. On the other hand, which would you like, like being real, right? Like, I think that that's absolutely like, especially now, you know, mid thirties, I'm able to look back and be like, yeah, there was a lot of that in there. I also think though, that, that storytelling focused me. I think that this was always a place Mm. where I could come and like the world was crazy. And, And when you have ADHD, Right. It's input. Everything is so much. There's so much input and so much uh, so many impulses happening at the same time that it's hard to kind of find like a like a Zen place. Um, But but this storytelling, whether it was reading, writing, uh, making little films on my camcorder or or doing a play, that was always the place where I could come to kind of like chill out and 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 feel like I had even a semblance of control over my world. so, you know, I think that it, it, it started there and, and thusly the stories that I really connected to were all stories that, that I think had to do with, you know, kids or people really trying to find some control over the world. Like the first story that I ever really connected with as a kid was The Jungle Book. Um, oh, both yeah. obviously the Disney movie and the Rudyard Kipling short stories. And inherent in those is the story of a young kid who is out on his own and and trying to cobble together a family right Right. and I think that that was so much of what I was doing at that time that it really spoke to me and then from there I I became obsessed with Mark Twain I was a huge Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn guy I love those books still do um yeah and and that also I would say Mark Twain really kicked off my love of writing that was a huge because I, I just didn't, I you know, when I finally started reading him, I was like, I, it, you know, I was so young. Like I didn't, I so many things went over my head. But what what did stick was that idea of like, oh wow, with words, you can really craft um, stories in stories, right? He especially with Huckleberry Finn, he has layers upon layers working at the same time. It's a satire. It's a social commentary. It's all these things, um, and I just loved the genius of that, and I loved the idea that I could hide messages and stories i thought that was so cool um and and then when it came to theater i would say you know theater specifically you know because i was always as a kid i always loved watching movies i loved watching like old mel brooks movies uh robin hood men in tights was like on loop in my house um you know but 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 theater specifically i'll i'll truly never forget i there were, uh, we were driving somewhere. I think I was visiting some relative and there was an advertisement on the radio for Jerry Lewis and damn Yankees. And I went to see that my, I was like, I didn't even know what it was about. I just liked the, 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 the song heart was playing on the, on the commercial. And I was like, Oh, that sounds like a fun song. And, and then you go see it and it's like this crazy show about like this Faustian bargain (laughs) to play like baseball and you're like what the hell is this crazy and it was so crazy but i automatically <laughs> was just like this is so freaking cool <laughs> like this is yeah. like you can just do this and i think that my my love of theater started to develop from those kind i wouldn't even say like it was you know that was like a gateway drug but that taught me the type of story that i i like i like stories with surprise i don't ever like to you know be just be able to kind of sit back. I want to be like, Ooh, what's going to happen next? Whether that's a comedy or a tragedy. Um, right. You know? And so, so damn Yankees was kind of my, 
entree into another Faustian show, which became my favorite for a while, which was Little Shop of Horrors. And yes. then I started. Oh, I oh, buddy, I can. Oh, so I was just, I was just thinking about it. it's so good. Like on yeah. every level, that show is fantastic. And then you know, and then from there we got into the Sweeney Todd of it all, the Assassins of it all. Um, and then it was also plays. It was it was you know the the, the script that I I've had this the 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 non watchers won't be able to see this but the but I will say this copy of of Top Dog Underdog which I'm holding in my hand yes oh my I've, god I've I've had this since I was in eighth grade this no has been way. I I I would carry this around you can see on the binding I would carry this yeah. around in my pocket because it, it truly that was the I mean that was the moment that I was like oh I want to do this professionally I saw that I saw the original with uh, at the public with Don Cheadle and Jeffrey Wright and I was like oh that's that's it I want to do that yeah. Um, so it was all these little moments that kind of, you know, coalesced. And I, I think if anything, you know, as I got into, you know, when it came time to pick colleges, uh, you know, I knew, I knew that NYU was in New York. I knew that they did Mm. theater. Um, I knew nothing else about them and I should have looked other (laughs) places, but I didn't, I did early decision at NYU and, uh, I was a Shakespeare major and I, and I studied, uh, the classical studio, uh, and that was after two years at Adler. Yeah. So it was, it was, That's it was, no joke. it was, oh, it was fun, dude. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm rambling now, so I'm, I will wrap this no, up. No, it's I will, great. I will say that, um, yeah, from NYU really also helped me hone my skills as a writer and an actor and, and just learn really the type of stories I wanted to tell. And then when I, when I graduated, I, I was never trying to do musicals. Like I loved musicals, but I was like, I, you know, I really want to really want to do plays and, but I could sing, you know? And so my, my right. reps sent me out for a lot of musicals and, and I ended up booking some and uh, Motown was crazy. That was my Broadway debut because uh, they, they needed somebody who could sing high. They also need somebody who could dance. I cannot dance and I still cannot <laughs> dance. Save my life. Please. But, but they taught, they taught me, they like, they were like, well, we're going to try to teach you. And like, I kind of, Brian Harlan Brooks was our associate choreographer on that, put me in a boot camp, and I then could only do the moves that he taught me. Yeah. And no other moves. Right. And that was true. That's the same. That's even true for like Ain't Too Proud. Like, I can, I can do the Ain't Too Proud moves to the letter. I can do those Sergio moves to the letter, but like, I can't do any other. Don't like, don't bring me to dance because like, I'll just, I'll just do those moves. Uh, yeah. But, but after, you know, I think it was kind of, you know, and this ties back to the Jungle Book. I think that what ended up happening, and to answer your question, how I, how I ended up here is that over the years, this thing started to cobble itself together and become kind of a community for me, right? This, this yeah. became a place, you know, where I, I felt very safe and very comfortable. And I'm very, very fortunate to, to have it as that because I know that for so many people, it is this kind of like, it is the dream, right? To be on, be on Broadway and and do the thing. And for me, it was so much, you know, I had a, I had a, a producer friend once say, he was like, you know, you'd be happy doing this in a garage with your friends. Right. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it really, like the Broadway of it is like, it's, it's, I mean, I'm so thankful because it helps me pay my bills. Right. And it's, and it's, right. and it's a lot of great exposure, but like, I really, this is, I do this because I love it. And because, you know, and because these people, so many people, um, Many of whom have been on your podcast uh, have have really opened themselves up to me in this community, and made me feel a part of it. So, so that's how yeah. that's the the very long winded answer of how I got to this point. I mean, yeah. there's so many things I want to talk about after oh, hearing yeah. all of that, but um, the the community is 
is Broadway. I mean, truly, the the performers, the audiences, like even like the audiences that come to the shows fifty times, and then you become friends with like audience members. You know, like it's yeah. just like there's just something about the the community that, and it's the reason that I started this was like I was there was a point in time, especially during the pandemic, where I was like feeling totally, you know, oh out of the community, and I was like, how do I get that feeling back in me? Because yes. it is collaborating with friends and granted we're not in the same room right now but we're having a conversation we're we're, we're feeding off each other right now oh, yeah. like it, like i still feel that like sort of community of it all while also like feeling a little bit collaborative and performing and all of that through this um yeah. so i couldn't agree with you more there's truly nothing like the community and that's really what makes it broadway Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But I'm curious, going back to, you know, your whole inspirations and everything, it was so interesting to hear how you was were kind of so into the dark, uh, the oh, dark stories with, like, Little Shop <laughs> and Sweeney and Assassin. Yeah. Like, is that something that kind of comes through your writing? Or yes. is that, yeah, you like writing that sort of I stuff? I love too? So right now, the uh, I have a musical that's uh, in development over at um, if you if you know who oh, Hunter yeah. Arnold is, um, so oh, yeah. he's 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 an amazing producer and he's he's been very generous to to make a space for my work and it's it's this musical called Whiskey Land and I've been working on it for literally ten years and this thing has changed hands and changed stories so many times but we finally have I finally know what the story is but the mm-hmm. the, the the I would say the the, the real um, like line between all t- all ten years of, of this development is that this story has always been dark, um, and not and not like not like dark in the sense like I I don't think the characters in it would think of it as dark, right? Like I don't think they would be like, you know, going around like they you know it, it's it's I I just here's what I like you know I'm a huge fan of Tarantino as a writer I'm a huge fan of uh, you know who isn't um, actually several people aren't but that's fine uh, right but like. <laughs> I love, I, I like to take people, put people in a room who shouldn't be in a room together and shake the room up. Yeah. I just, I, I find nothing more exciting than that, right? Like, it's just, because it's it's conflict and it's tension. And like, again, whether your story is a comedy or a tragedy, right? It, it's not even about trying to be dark, but it is about, I, I don't, I don't, I guess what I find in my work is I, and this is very ADHD of me. I don't necessarily have time for stories that aren't life or death stakes. Like right. I don't, I zone out. You mean like if, if the stakes truly are not like this decision is going to impact the rest of your life and Absolutely. you, and, 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 and it could be a decision is like, you know, you're, where do you sit in, in, in the high school cafeteria? Right. But like, it feels high stakes to you. Right. Like I just, I need those. I, I, I just don't want to watch a story about like somebody who's not really at a precipice for themselves because there with all the time it takes you know you think about i think you know you think about all the shows that are on broadway right now you you look at the oscar nominees for best picture you look at any of these things and these stories take so long to craft 
Do you mean like they take so long to make to, to get to a place where they are ready for mass consumption that it's like you might as well make them about some really epic stuff, you know what I mean? Because otherwise, like you've you know, it's 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 five, ten years on something that's like, you know, I could tell you in a sentence, as opposed right. to why why am I giving you time is precious? Why am I giving you two of my hours, three of my hours? you know, yeah. sit and, and take this thing in. So I wouldn't even say it's the darkness that, that I love, but it is, I love high stakes. I love people making mistakes with high stakes. Yeah. I love, I love watching the high wire act. That's what I love about Top Dog Underdog, right? Is uh, for those of you guys who know the play, right? It's just these two brothers trying to find each other, right? That's all it is. But like their names are Lincoln and Booth. So from the very jump you set up, that they have inherited the fact that one of them will kill the other. That is, that is literally their inheritance. So every, so with now that we've set the tension, every decision they make is taking them further away or closer to that inevitability. That is so exciting to me. Like what a, do you mean setting, setting the promise of, of an inevitable end and watching people race back and forward from it? Like, what could be more fun? Um, and even like, I, and again, I just want to say like, it doesn't always have to be dark because I was spam a lot, you know, like right. that those stakes could not be higher for those characters. That's why it's funny. Right. Yeah. Like, because they are taking so seriously what is so clearly so absurd. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think that, you know, it's, it's, there was, um, Oh, what's that quote about the difference between comedy and tragedy that, you know, tragedy is it's watching a character learn how to change comedy is watching a character refuse to change in spite of themselves right mm -hmm. so it's it's really like a razor thin difference between the two um but you know uh, you really are I, I just yeah i just love high stakes i love high stakes and yeah. everything that i write tends to have very very high stakes so. it's so interesting hearing you like boil all this down because like my first reaction was like i can't believe he's in all this dark stuff but and i know you're like a disney adult and like i love, love that because same but like when you really think about it i mean those disney movies are way deeper than anyone thinks they are so high stakes like it's so high awful. stakes yeah. i mean that's that's the beauty you know i think so so lynn was talking when uh it was so funny because we um me and my friend Sasha Hutchings, who was uh, another Hamilton cast member, amazing, yeah. amazing actor and dancer. And uh, over the over the shutdown, we, me and her and Lynn had this West Wing book club um, where we'd watch episodes of the West Wing and we'd all talk about them. And there was one day that I'll I'll never forget where you know we we were having this at uh, this like our little book club meeting at, at Lynn's at Lynn's apartment, and he was working on this movie called Encanto. And he was talking about, and it was like, and he truly, he was so like, he, and it was, it was nuts. And he was showing, and he was, his big thing with it was like, he was like, you know, oftentimes Disney wants to watch it. You know, Disney movies are watching a character go on a journey. And our pitch to Disney was you can get those same high stakes with a character just in her house, just with mm -hmm. her family. Right. Because, because the need to find who you are is so important. Right. And so like you watch these Disney movies and like, they're all about self-discovery. And like, what higher stakes could there be than like, where do I belong in the world? Do you mean like, Amen. that is the biggest question that I think any of us ask. And, and so many, so much of the reason that, you know, you know, in this, in this age where so many people are finally, you know, saying, you know, th these, these are my pronouns or this is, this is who I am, right? This is, I'd like you to, to identify me as who I am, right? The power to ask for what you need. 
right, right. comes from knowing who you are you know which is again why disney movies strike such a deep chord the classic ones so like yeah. again it's not about darkness but it is about just like like i want again I, I think about you talk about disney i think about my favorite disney movies which like even robin hood do you mean like even yeah. robin hood with the with the fox like he's it's there is a lifestyle that he is that he is fighting for you know yeah. that that the sheriff um and king john like just don't see and don't understand um, but that is so important to him and his people. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I just, I, I, I love all kinds of stories. I just love good storytelling and high stakes storytelling. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, it's so interesting too, like to hear you, I mean, talk about this and how, like, I don't know, because as an actress, you do have to like go through that whole, it's almost like it for like mathematicians, it's like the whole equation, you know, yes. of like boiling it down and what is this? really trying to say like what is this line doing why is this important like every mm -hmm. word is written for a reason so like hearing you say this from like an actor's perspective is so interesting knowing that you're also like a writer and you're doing all the other things and creating pieces yeah. do those do you feel like having kind of all of those qualities of talent you know being a writer being uh, an actor kind of like complements each other and like helps you in, in a way for both sides of the of the table yeah so long as i can remember the humility of 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 curiosity right mm. i think that when it doesn't serve me is when i'm looking at a piece as a writer you know if i'm if i'm acting in your piece and i'm looking at it and i'm coming into it and in the back of my brain i have my writer brain that says oop you know if you just cut this line and move this line here work it's like well that's what that's how i would write it but that's not your piece right. as an actor i'm here to serve your piece right it's not my time to write like if you want to hire me as a writer you'd hire me as a writer you hired me as an actor which means i take your words and and i and i do what i do right so i think that the the curiosity is what helps me in those transitions to be like great now i have my actor brain on now i'm just here to serve the text I will say where it really helps, though, I think that in that same sense of curiosity, um, there's an amazing video that I've been watching every day about Mark Rylance, if you know his work, um, the actor Mark Rylance, incredible stage actor, incredible film actor. And this, this video essay boils down his technique into two things, stillness and innocence, right? Mm -hmm. The economy of movement. He, he does not move unless it, his characters never move unless they really need to. Also, the innocence um, that he brings to his characters. His characters are always genuine. They gen like there's no there's it's not that there's no sarcasm, but like they are they are genuinely asking questions and wanting to know yeah. the answers. And so even his villains, like even when he played Richard the Third, you never quite knew what to believe because he was so genuine about everything. And and I think that that helps me as both a writer and an actor, because it's, you know, for the acting part, it's exactly what I just described, right? The economy of movement and the, the curiosity of your character, the, the you know, the innocence and the, the wonder of your character on every line. You know, if you play, if you play every line with wonder, you yeah. already have a character, right? Like that's actually all you have to do. But in the writing of it, it's the curiosity to not get settled into what you thought the story was. Right. I, I, I have I have I have a structure. I have a, a lot of theory and structure in my head that helps me 
determine. Um, so like me and Alex uh, Brightman, we have our cartoon over at Warner Brothers. Yeah. And right, like there's there's something that's really cool because Alex is so freaking funny. Um, and he he makes I mean he truly like we don't have to ever worry about jokes with our show. Yeah. But like I, but I, I bring structure. I bring like story structure to it. Not that he doesn't, but like, that's kind of what I can bring is that sense of like, great. Well, if this character did this at this time, that means they should probably want to do this at this time. But even in that, even in my rules, like the curiosity and the humility and the innocence to be like, okay, but what if they did this? Like, what, how does this domino fall? And to be able to, you know, I think that so much of good writing is the ability to like, write yourself into corners and dead ends and 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 trust that like you will find a way out of them right, right. but you have you have to put a a bad page down first like it's it's inevitably going to happen you're because the the piece that gets published or the piece that gets played on the stage or on set is never your first idea it's it usually is your seventh your eighth your ninth idea so you yeah. have to go through eight ideas to get there um so remembering, I think that's where the crossover happens because it's a similar process for acting. You know, the, the performance that you see, um, even like the, the spam a lot that you saw at the Kennedy Center, right? Like we've we've grown it since then. We're now making, oh. you know, because we've we've discovered what what is funnier and what's what's more economical. Like, how can we get? Are, there are so many places where I have found that like, literally, and you know who taught me this more than anybody on this stage. As much as I will never give this man a compliment is uh christopher fitzgerald chris oh. chris chris fitz i mean and rob mcclure too back in kenny center but chris fitz is the master of economical acting it's he insane kn- it's it really is like it's alien like he shouldn't yeah. be able to do what <laughs> he does so true. it's so quick cr- because he just the man just stands there and just <laughs> and is just present and it's inherently funny because yeah. he he just knows himself that well, and so I think that's that has really helped the span a lot. Has been that idea of like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna like how many times can I just be present, just be present, right. not not try to make it funny, like like just just truly be present and say words. And yeah, wonder. and I mean, in, in a lot of ways, that that's like the hardest thing, especially doing eight shows a week. Like acting is simply being present and reacting. You know, like yes. listening and you know, reacting to what's being said, but so many times, especially every night, you know, you got a five show weekend, you got five shows in three days. Like how the heck am I supposed to stay Dude. present every second of that? It's crazy. But it's crazy. Um, that, but that's what makes him so good. Like his Ogie and waitress, one of the best performances like yeah. ever you bet yeah. like on Broadway. It's just oh, so yeah. freaking good. Um, a big fan of Chris fit. So, Incredible. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No surprise. But I mean, like, I, I, we'll talk about it. I mean, spam a lot. It's all of you guys. Like, you are all listening to you in just this 20 minutes. Like, I feel like I've learned a lot and just uh, listening to you being a student of the craft, of the art, Aww. you know, of theater and of writing and everything. It's so interesting. And, and I know that all of you are like this because I've had James on, I've had Alex yep. on. Um, you know, and, and just listening to how you guys approach work and text and anything like y'all are all going through it and you are doing, putting the work in and you yeah. like, this is what, that's kind of like what you all love. And that's why y'all are so brilliant at, at what you do and being on stage. And I know y'all are really good friends and everything. So like, I'm curious, I mean, obviously you and Alex are writing partners. Um, yeah. I'm curious, you know, 
it does it feel like broadway like you it, it feels like a back, yeah like all. it's got to feel like a backyard musical you know like that it's, y'all are putting on it feels like recess and i and you know it was so yeah, funny because really. it really does like like and i and i asked you know so prepping for the broadway transfer like i literally reached out to every funny person that i could think of and it, inclu- it, it including but not limited to uh actors who had originated in the show so like obviously like i i was the first person i was like i was like i gotta take chris Seaver out to coffee i gotta just sit that Absolutely. man down and be like because if you watch you know the what, what do they call them the slime tutorials i mean you know yeah. or, or if you <laughs> saw him i mean what he did was genius like he is a freaking genius and i just mm-hmm. i not that i wanted to steal from him but i was like how did you what was your what was your philosophy going into the same with steve rosen who's been a dear friend uh steve rosen who's original bedivere uh, who's now an amazing writer um and and i just wanted to ask these guys you know pick their brains about what this thing was and the thing that they said over and over was like you know they gave me a bunch of amazing advice but they were like you're gonna have the most fun you've ever had in your life mm-hmm. and and it's been true because it's i think the beauty of spam a lot and this is, I think it's also the thing that like either you love about it or you hate about it. If you're coming in wanting a plot and characters yeah. and like mean it, like you've come to the wrong place. Do you mean like there's absolutely nothing about our show <laughs> that has any sort of like, like, and I will say, I will say what's, what I think is brilliant is that Mike Nichols actually like, there is just enough semblance of plot structure that you feel like you're going somewhere. Right. Yeah. But like, it really is just a series of sketches strung together. Absolutely. And, and, and even, and especially though, you know, I think that we, you know, when Mike Nichols was directing this, he very much, he was coming at it from, I think a similar place that the Pythons came out, which was this thing of like, you're not funny. The thing is funny. Right. So like, don't, there's no, there's no room for, um, you know, in his production, it was very much about play the truth of the scene and, and, and be, there and keep the thing moving right there's no no indulgence here yeah josh i think very smartly our director josh rhodes in updating it for 2020 2023 2024 was like a little like obviously adhered to those rules but like with like 20 percent more carol burnett right like where it's like <laughs> we there there are a couple moments where it's like it's very clear that we're aware of what we're doing and how ridiculous it is and there's also so many ridiculous things that happen in a given night in spam a lot that like we will crack each other up like yeah like last night there's you know this doesn't ruin anything because it's a movie like you can see this yeah but like uh you know the the one of the sequences is tim the enchanter when we when we battle the 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 killer bunny and the you know there's this killer bunny that attacks uh this knight named boars and his head pops off and last night, his head popped off and rolled into the pit and hit our conductor. No. And so we all, like, it was, like, immediate, like, because it's everyone on stage at that point except for Leslie. And we all just, we could not keep it together. Like, the scene right. barely happened. Do you know what I mean? Because, and there's more scene that needs to happen, right? Like, yeah. needs to call on Brother Maynard. We need to get the holy hand grenade and all these things. But we were all dying laughing. And, like, yeah. that's, I think that's kind of the fun of it is, like, it's, I think that's honestly what makes it accessible, right? Is it's it's not a piece where you go in and you have to be like, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to the theater today. There's no, there's no elitism about it. It is it, from the very beginning you are made to understand like this is just for you to laugh. We just yeah. want to make you laugh and and act stupid like it's a Looney Tune. You're watching truly a two hour Looney Tune. Um, 100%. So that's I I enjoy that 
so much. And there's, I think what's great about it too, is it takes, like you said, we're all friends and there's a, mm. there's a pressure that gets relieved. I think that the, the moments that the only moments that I haven't liked in this process have been the moments when, you know, anyone just for whatever reason, because we are on Broadway, like anyone has felt a pressure to make mm. it something that it's not. Right. And those moments happen, especially, you know, because you, you are like you understand that people are paying upwards of three hundred dollars to see you like right. you want you want the show to be the best it can be, you know, and then you get out there and remember that, like, you, you're playing a black knight who's about to lose like his arms and his legs. And then you realize, like, oh, it's it's idiocy. Like, what am I talking about? Do you mean like it? In fact, it's funnier when it doesn't go right. You know what I mean, like, so. You know, I think that it, it really is kind of the biggest, the biggest gift of a show, um, you know, compared to something like Hamilton, you know, which I, Hamilton for six years, like uh, me and my friends, you know, I, some of my best friends obviously came from that show, but we talk about it to this day where it's like, man, you, you forget kind of what it means to be living in a show that dark for six years. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's in, not, and again, like, that's why I say it's, you know, not dark heightened stakes because like dark is dark and dark and dark weighs on you. Like as much I, I, that, that show was some of the most rewarding moments I've ever had on stage, but like drumming up the, the energy it takes to kill a guy every night for each other. Like, yeah, it's a lot, right. It, t- it takes it out of you and, and you come away a little drained. And I think yeah. that that's my favorite part about this is like, it's still hard. Like it's not, not work, but like, it's so stupid. Like yeah. there's, there's actually no way for me to take this home at the end of the day. Cause like, yeah. what am I going to do? Be like, Oh man, I, I, I totally missed that, that, that freaking, uh, you know, that I, I didn't catch the bunny when it jumped at me out of the hill. Like, what am I talking? Like, do you mean like it's stupid? It's, it's all stupid. Yeah. So yeah, I we're having it. a blast. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we're joking over here about, like, the five-show weekend and everything. And, yeah, it is taxing. But at the same time, it's – it's we're happy about it too because if, it, if we weren't doing the five show weekend we're upset you know like we want to be performing you know yeah. um and, and that's the thing you you saying you know <laughs> it's kind of funnier when things don't don't go the oh, way yeah. they're supposed to and i mean in in a way of saying this without getting you in trouble oh, is yeah. is that kind of I don't know. Are you guys kind of trying to make things not no, go right? I will, I will see. I will say this to be to be to be fair, to be clear, and to be fair. So I think that because this is this is where Josh Rhodes is a brilliant director, and he you know there's several okay. places where he's brilliant. But right, the 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 you there has to be. We have to eat our vegetables, right? Like uh-huh. at the end of the day, like the lines are the lines. The show is the yeah. show, and and it's and the it's act because this is it's it's not funny when you try when you try to make something yeah. go wrong. It's not funny. But when something goes wrong and it's because what's funny is watching people try to get back on the horse. Yeah. Right. When you, it's not the, the fall is not funny, but mm. the, the attempt to keep the horse moving when you got one leg hanging off and you're upside down, <laughs> that's what's funny. So yeah. it, it, it really is a show that I think is prone to things going wrong. Like I, I, I we're not trying to make them go wrong, but like, you know, a third of it is improv. We're working yeah. with like, 
all like you know most of our costumes are either fat suits or magic tricks like there's so much that can there's so many elements that can just happen um right you know so i think that just remembering that you know and and kind of you know buckling up for wherever the ride takes you that night um oh, yeah. but what, what i love i think to your point what i do love is that our cast has such a tremendous trust in each other mm. um you know, everyone kind of tosses the ball and nobody tries to hog it. And like, everyone realizes when it's like, it's, when it's Leslie's turn, it's Leslie's turn. When it's Brightman's turn, Brightman's turn. When it's Jonathan's turn, it's Jonathan's turn. Right. And so there's, there's such a trust and a respect in the cast that inevitably what ends up happening is that in those moments when something goes wrong, we, we, we all kind of look at each other and we know the rules automatically. Somebody gets, somebody gets, is going to make a quip about it. Somebody's going to probably say something. And then we try to move on, right? And who's who's going to be is going to be is going to be you know it's probably not going to be Chris Fitz because he's you know he's like Patsy doesn't really get that that moment. It's usually like James can say something, Brightman can say mm-hmm. something, um, Leslie, right? The characters who really do like I think they're those three really have a great relationship with the audience and are kind of built to break the fourth wall. The rest right. of us we got it we got to keep it driving. Like me, Chris, Ethan, Jonathan jimmy like our characters are very much like keep it moving you know yeah um so so yeah we kind of you know you kind of learn those rules and enjoy it and and right. see where the ride takes you man yeah i know and and i mean i can say it because i i've definitely fallen guilty you know you're, you're performing with your friends and it's easy to like try to make each other laugh on a stage or try to like yeah. do something yeah. to keep things keep them on their toes so I don't mean to like try to get you oh, in no, trouble no, no. here, but I figured oh, I'd try to. No, no, I love it. Uh, it's good stuff. It, it's just, it's a blast, you know. Like you, you truly never know what can happen. It's live theater. I mean, that's yes. the that's part we crave. Um, well, I mean, I, I want to talk about you know uh, the rest of your career because there's so much going on. I mean, yeah. you, you mentioned Hamilton. Um, <laughs> I mean, you got to play you got the full Hamilton experience. You've played Washington, Burr, Mulligan, Madison. I mean, I don't mean to like make you pick or anything like that, but do you have like a favorite character? I know you mentioned <sighs> Burr was like, it was hard to go home and like dealing with how heavy that is, yeah. you know, even not even just to perform, but like even perhaps one you relate to more or you just, you feel fulfilled, you know, like almost playing uh, one of those founding fathers. Burr, so the the most fun is Mulligan Madison because he's just a freaking, you know, I think <laughs> that Oak, Oak really set up a beautiful track for himself, um, you know, and, 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 and he just, he gets, he gets such fun little moments and like, he gets to just be, you know, these two very, very vastly different characters, you know, and that was back in my yeah. understudy days too, right? When I was learning how to, how to really like, you know, it was such a good track to learn the show on. Yeah. Because the show is such a beast, so like having Mulligan Madison, who kind of pops into everything, uh, is so fun. Um, yeah, Burr, I would say Burr is Burr is probably closest to my heart because Burr is Burr is probably what most people know me for at this point, and Burr sure. is also what taught me to lead a a, a show. I had never really, you know, mm. I'd I'd understudied a lot before then, but in terms of brought my Broadway career, that was my first time leading a show. And, you know, I took the tour out and then I came back and, and did the Broadway company for a year. And, and what it, you know, there is a certain, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in being of service. You know, my mother, my mother is a pastor 
and uh and that that blood is very much in my veins of like you know if there's a community of people how can i be of service to that community and in that position when you're playing hamilton or burr um there is kind of you know an understood set and the precedent was very much set by lynn and leslie um you know how can you very much be the qbs of that building how can you you know right. advocate for your company how can you make sure that people have what they need how can you you know bring good energy into the space um you know and 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 it's interesting because like in my position in spam a lot like i you know it's it's kind of this this clown car but like you know i would say that that more falls on like a james or a leslie right like for the rest of us like we it's it's kind of interesting for the first time in a in a minute not having that responsibility on my shoulders where i can sure. just I, I you know i'm i'm coming in as a as a, a very feature supporting player but like it's not it's it's truly I'm not in a leadership position in, in terms of that, right? Like Burr is very much a leadership position within the company. The same yeah. way I would imagine a Glinda and Alphaba are, um, mm -hmm. you know, like just what does it mean to kind of set the tone? So it, it taught me, you know, I, I think that the thing that I really appreciate about not only Burr, but the, but Tommy, our director and Lack and uh, Andy was the, was, was them, allowing me to grow into that because I when I started playing Burr on the road I was still very much in an understudy mindset uh and th th which which was that idea of like you know yeah like what I do doesn't affect anybody else like I can I can still have my fun and goof around and be silly and whatever and it's like no but when you're no because now you're playing Burr like right. you you, ha you you actually it's it's yours now it's not right like it really you have the comms so what does that mean to really help steer the ship in a way and how do you want to contribute to the people around you? And how can you yeah. be more mindful of the people around you? Like, you know, when I was having a bad day as an understudy, um, you know, I, I kind of, and this, granted, I was, it was in my 20s and I was, you know, it was whatever, like, it's not bad, but like, you, know, you go around, you complain, you know, to your fellow cast members, like, oh, it's just not, not feeling today or whatever it is, you know. But like, as, as a lead, like, gripes go, up not down like you can't like it, it doesn't if i if in projecting your emotions onto other people is never great anyway but like it just it, you you are you are now helping to set the tone of the building so if you're having a bad day the the response the responsibility becomes can i process those emotions so i really don't bring that into work to you because people are looking to me to set the tone right, right. you know there's a lot right. of people that go ahead or or even like you know don't let it affect me personally but perhaps let it, it let me engage in it on stage and let me you know use that tonight you know absolutely absolutely like can you there's just there's it's not i wouldn't even call it pressure but you just understand that like you're playing a role that that is so lynn you know he i mean he the man's a genius and we all know this yeah um but he wrote one of the i mean it truly I, I there's the amount that you are able to do in one performance of that role the the range and the and the 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 depths and the humor right like there's yeah. there's act there's so much in there if you're willing to search for it and so when you have a, a role that's a gift like that the only option you have is to give back right, right? like it really isn't a, a question of like Oh, I need to, you know, um, like I think the mistake is to make it all about you. I think the mistake is to is to 
is to you know think that it's the it's the time for you to to be an actor and really get into your thing it's like no that's actually the time to really like look around you and take in yeah. all the people who are like with you you know yeah. who's like who who are who are moving when you ask them to move like what a what a what a gift what a gift yeah. that is so i, I yeah I mean, Hamilton is such an ensemble piece. I mean, mm-hmm. truly, it's it takes. There's a million different moving parts. Spamalot is very big too, but like the cast no. in in Hamilton. I mean, you have people playing bullets. You know, like that's yes. how ensemble of a piece it is. You know, and and it seems like you know it is the best of the best in order to do that show because there is so much pressure of literally everyone knows every word to the show because it's all music and it's all in the cast album, yeah. you know, like, yeah. you know, and, and so much more. Cause it's so, it's got all the hype and it, it's one of the most expensive tickets, you know, like all of those things, you know, come into play. And also everyone is on stage almost the, the entire time. show. So like, it's yeah. just, it, it's crazy. Um, but I'm curious, is, is there, is that pressure kind of felt in the sense of, you know, I mentioned everybody knowing the songs, you know, and, and really staying present and being like, you know, everyone knows if I'm going to mess up tonight, if I switch a word around or something like that, or is there a hardest song to, to maybe sing um, or perform with the movement and everything? Cause there is a lot of movement with Andy's choreography and everything. Yeah. No, these are great questions. Uh, the, the, I would say there isn't, it's not a pressure. I think what was, especially when I came into the show, what was beautiful was they were at a moment when, you know, I, this, this was, this was early on, right? I joined them Tony's right their Tony's. I joined them right at yeah. their Tony's 2016. And um, what was beautiful then was they knew they had something that worked and they knew that the writing was so good that like they could experiment right like you didn't have to hide you know you have david playing loft jeff you know iconic performance but the yeah. next loft jeff doesn't have to be david right like you can play with those energies it doesn't need to be you know i think that there's a lot of shows where they try to like really say okay this is what the thing looks like this is how tall they are this is what the... and hamilton was never that hamilton was always like there's an essence but like outside of the essence we're willing to play so i think that was what was wonderful was like you know they were very much committed at in those early days to like this idea of everyone who comes in is going to bring something different and we want to embrace that you know as much as we can we want we want to see what happens we know that the bones are extremely strong so yeah. like within those bones what happens if you know we have somebody who's like a little like who's not Lynn, right like like michael lavoye who's you know probably my you know one of my favorite hamiltons of all time is nothing like lynn that's a very different mm-hmm. hamilton um mm-hmm. but it's spectacular right yeah. like th- there's so much room to play so i think that didn't feel beholden to that um in answer to your other question though about the hardest song or the hardest scene um i would say the most rewarding was probably nonstop. Nice. I I love nonstop so much. I just because it's it there's so much ground to cover. There's so much yeah. that's happening. Um, but you really and for Burr, it's the it's the it's the song more than any other song where he goes and flip flops from being in the scene to narrating the scene, being in the scene to narrating the scene. Oh. And it's just so fun to kind of get specific about that. Like right. and, and and I'd always thought of Burr's um for and this was you know, this is such nerdy 
bull crap. So please forgive me. But I, uh, from for me and my take on the character, I had always wondered if those questions, you know, his whole all of his narration is questions. And yeah. for me, my take was that those questions weren't rhetorical. That he didn't, he truly didn't know the answer. So when he's asking, you know, why do you assume you're the smartest in the room? Like truly looking for an answer, right? right. It's not, it's not just narration for the audience's sake. It's a, it's a, it's a puzzle that he's trying to fix. So nonstop then became this. You know, he's kind of, if you know the movie Minority Report, where he's like, the they have that technology in this movie where, um, you know, these cops are looking at crimes, but they're able to, like, swipe through the scene of the crime so they can take, like, different, like, images from this crime scene and swipe through with their fingers. And that's how I always envisioned nonstop with Burr was, like, he's just, like, moving the puzzle pieces around to be like, was this it? 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 Like, how did you, how did you speed ahead of me so fast? How yeah. did this happen? You know, um, and and you know, by the end of it, he's not able to figure it out. So it, it is, it's really rewarding uh, for an actor. Uh, I see. I love that, and I'm thrilled. Like that's why I asked the question because everyone probably assumed you were going to say the room where it happens. You know, yeah. But you, that breakdown makes so much sense. And honestly, I, something that like. I didn't even realize like uh, you're so right in the sense of like Burr goes from performing to narrating, but like it, there's so many moving parts where you're kind of just like, Oh yeah, Burr's doing his thing again. You know, like still like it, you don't see that as a audience member as you do mm -mm. as someone who's trying to get this story across, but I guess that's the goal. So I guess you were doing the job, right? So good. Best I could, man. <laughs> yeah i love it um well i got one final question for you um and then i'll let you go and i, I want to take it back to your broadway debut i mean first of all i want to say i know this isn't your broadway debut ain't you proud is one of my all-time favorite oh, musicals love that um, show. yeah and, and i love everyone involved jawan jelani no um, my boy so yeah i mean they're yeah. the best of the best and and you guys i mean that i could not i went to see that show six seven times i just kept bringing my grandparents my mom i was like i love this movie and they're like oh my god like watching them cry and revisit their childhood Aww. and everything it was that was it was awesome um but i want to throw it back to to motown obviously oh, yeah. your broadway debut um and so i'm sure it's a show that you know means a lot to you but mm -hmm. I also want to say that, you know, it seems like it, it means a lot to Broadway. And I don't know if it's talked about as much because in a sense, it seems like that was really the show that slowly started the progress of, you know, seeing more of these black artists on Broadway and giving space mm -hmm. for a lot of black artists to yes. be employed on Broadway. Um, you know, we've seen Tina Turner since we've had seen MJ, ain't you proud? And all of these have been successes, you know? So um, mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, like, you know, what does it mean to you? And, and at the same time, what do you, what do you think it means to Broadway and like, in the sense of like almost changing it just to be able to oh, man. that? I love that question. No, you know, I think the thing that I, th I look back about Motown, I just, the proof is in the pudding, right? Because Motown ran for, I think it was, I think we were two years by the end of it. Right. Um, and somebody, somebody way smarter than me can fact check me on that. But in that two years, the, the people who came out of it and the, and who are all still working today, right. We had, we had an Oscar winner come out of that show. Yeah. We, we've had so many people who, 
who came through there and and you know and and that was you know all in thanks to you know the creative team charles randolph wright shelley williams um warren adams patty wilcox uh barry gordy obviously um david goldsmith um you know all these amazing people who were who at the end of the day just wanted to build i think a showcase for black talent and and which was very much what Motown was, you know, I mean, I think that they were very, being very true to this, to the energy of that original, that original, you know, place and that original time. And I think that what I love about my time with Motown um, and being a part of that is like the show as a, as a show, as a play, like it was messy. It's messy. Yeah. Right. Like it was, it was messy. And like, and I, and I, and I say that lovingly, right. There's like, I say that as somebody who's inside of it and can like kind of, you know, pick pick fun at it from the inside like there's there's some stuff with that book that was like what's happening here um but you had everyone on the on the creative team had such great intentions and such great heart and everyone in the cast was you want to talk about people at the top of their game you know bvd obviously i mean that's and that's that's one of my big brothers in this industry and he you know i've understudied him so many times uh you know yeah. at this point uh but he's, yeah, he's just he's a force right and but then on top of him like you then you have like people you know eric lavon summers who's no longer with us but like if you ever want to see the definition of a broadway performer if you look up his um was what did he sing uh do you love me do you love me? Uh, if you look up Eric Juan Summers, do you love me? Which is one of one of the big numbers from Motown. That man was electric, right? Like you had all mm-hmm. these people who were just giving, who didn't know any other way to do this, but then to give a hundred percent of what they had every night. And it was a show that, that required that. So I think that what I loved about that, that moment in my life was for my Broadway debut for a kid who had spent his college years studying Shakespeare and was suddenly thrust into, you know, Detroit 1960s. Um, It was such a culture shock, but like, it was such a good, I, I, what I learned from that show on the, on the micro, I learned, (laughs) I learned the best way to make it to your theater. If you're running late, you cut through, you do the, you do the, you know, (laughs) because all, most of my theaters have been on 46th. So you get off yes. at 42nd and then you cut up the Schubert Alley under the, under the, the uh, uh, Minskoff, under the Marriott Marquis, and then you're at 46th. And yeah. Eric Juan taught me that. Um, but on the, on the macro, I learned, you know, you don't, 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 if you don't, if you don't have it, don't show up to work. Just don't come, right? Mm-hmm. Take a rest day. Because that was the thing with Motown was everybody was required to give 100%. Like yeah. that was the show. And they did every time. Nobody, nobody ever really, even their marking, what they would consider right. marking was like already at 90%, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so, you know, I think that just that, that work ethic of like, we're going to show out. This is, if you, if you give, if you're telling me I got, uh, you know, a stage and, and some words to say and some songs to sing, like, we're going to do it. And that's what Motown was. So, you know, I've tried to kind of honor that work ethic and like, and again, like, half of that cast and company are people shelly williams is you know i mean i've i've worked for her i mean she's and she's about to own broadway right like yeah you know i mean <laughs> it, donald weber you know just was incredible in pearly um uh you know like nick nick christopher is another one oh. i mean like like all these people who are who are just so amazing came out of that soup mm. so i'm i'm so honored to 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 be counted among them 
Um, and I'm, I, I love them all. Yeah. That was a beautiful time. Dude, that's awesome. I'm so thrilled. I mean, that's, it's like we say, I mean, it's the community, you know, you mentioning all these people in every show, you know, the people that have impacted you as a a person and as a performer, you know, that's what it's all about. So, um, Chris, I, I, or my God, Chris, (laughs) I was thinking Nick Christopher for a second. I know, I know. Nick, thank you so much for for coming on here and, and honestly, like providing such thoughtful and and um, educational like answers. You, I feel like I learned a lot this episode, oh, so I man. appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for for giving us your time and your wisdom uh, here. And you certainly have so much to take about for. So uh, oh, it's been you, an honor. Friend. Such yeah. a pleasure, such a pleasure. Thank you for what you do. Hey, of course. Absolutely. Come back anytime because I feel like I could talk to you forever. <laughs> oh, you got him, my friend. Absolutely. You're the man. Thanks. Thank you. Take a bow, Nick Walker. I am so excited to have him on. Literally, like someone that I've wanted to have on for so long. He actually had a podcast on Broadway Podcast Network when I like first started. Um, and it was like a movie review podcast. Obviously, uh, if you... I guess listen to our, our conversation, you kind of could sense that he was a bit of a movie connoisseur. Just a connoisseur of this art, though. Um, his The way that he can boil down a, a scene or just the thought process of a uh, just working on a project, you know, and attacking the text and all of that, it, it's mind-blowing. And the research that he does, you know, it's a real student of the art. I can't stress that enough. And I mean, obviously it's paid off and you see why he's so successful. And now he even teaches at NYU. I mean, like we didn't even get into half of the stuff that I plan on getting into. I kind of got lost in the whole student of the art stuff and picking his brain on, on that side of it all. Um, but I, I, I adore Nick Walker and, and I appreciate him coming on here and, giving us real thoughtful answers like he really went into why he started to become a performer you know why he um like wanted to why he wanted to be a performer and got like deep with us right away and and that kind of set the tone of the whole episode that we could kind of like hey we're trusting each other here and we'll just let this thing flow um, and I thought that's exactly what happened. I would have loved to talk. I had a bunch of Hamilton questions, had a bunch of Motown questions, had a lot more spam a lot questions. We did talk about spam a lot uh, a good bit. Um, but and it was more so like the questions about the being with friends and stuff. But it, all of that stuff was kind of thrown around already that I was kind of like, you know, let's move on because I want to talk about Hamilton a little bit and I want to talk about Motown and all these things. So, um, just an absolute uh, joy uh, to, to chat with him for for about 50 minutes, 55 uh, minutes and about an hour. And uh, huge thanks to him for his willingness to come on right before a five-show weekend. Um, and, of course, uh, just like I said, bring his wisdom, his thoughtfulness, and the truth, you know, to this episode. It just – it was a great episode, great conversation, and I hope that y'all enjoyed it as much as I did. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's 193, y'all. Uh, like I said, another episode coming out next week. Uh, we're aiming for a next Thursday release. We may have to do another Friday episode 
thank you all for bearing with us. But like I said, follow us on social media so that you all get the the real-time updates on what the, the schedule is going to look like for the week of Take About. Just with the craziness of these uh, events and new shows opening, um, it's been tricky to like schedule something uh you know and on time every week on top of school and all this but uh nonetheless we are getting the content you know we have a ton of content that we have to share with y'all and we could definitely make episodes out of it uh but i do love these one-on-ones and uh providing those all for you uh on a weekly basis so stay tuned thursday friday releases um and yeah that that's that's 193 Thank you all so much for listening, and uh, until next week, bye everyone. Have a great week. For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kimberly Garris, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow are our fabulous editors, Jessica Lauren, who edits the audio of the podcast that you just listened to, and Tessie Tokash, who edits the videos and visuals for this podcast. And how about a bow for our executive producer, Chris Griner? And our final bow are extra special to the patrons, Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners of PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com TAB. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to subscribe on the platform that you are currently listening to this on, or go check out our YouTube where you can watch the episode. You can also subscribe, like, and comment on there as well. If you're more into the regular social media and want to follow us, you can do that at Take About Podcast across all social media platforms. The music of this podcast was made by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon, and the logo was created by Giselle Bustos. And that wraps up this episode's Curtain Call. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and I can't wait to see you next week. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.